1: Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Uncommon Drive. My name is Chad Ozy, and I am here, as always, with my friend Jeff Cross. How are you doing today, Jeff?
1: I'm well, well. It's uh, springtime here in Illinois, and the sun has been shining for two days straight now, so I'm excited.
0: That's that's like a heat wave for <laughs> us right now. <laughs> yeah, we got two yeah. days of sun. We don't even care what the temperature is. As long <laughs> as we can see that big shining ball in the sky, uh, we're, uh, sure. we're pretty happy.
1: And daylight savings time came, so now it doesn't get dark until 30, 7 o'clock. At night. I love it. I
0: love Absolutely. It. You know, folks, we are so glad that you have joined us for another episode as we take a look at uh, life and leadership and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And today we're going to look through a very specific uh, lens of, uh, of some things that kind of uh, affect all of us. Uh, many of you do uh, a great job of staying uh, connected with us. Uh, a lot of you will email us at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, some of you uh, write uh, reviews. Uh, some of you send us texts having questions. And, of course, our last two episodes that we've put up for you have uh, have been just that. They've been uh, answering questions that you've sent to us. And we, we so appreciate that and love the interaction we get to have with you. Um, but, uh, but some of you also follow us individually on social media. Uh, Jeff's on just about every form of social media <laughs> out there. Uh, he's TikToking all over the place right. and Instagram yeah. and Snapchat mm. and all that stuff. I, I stick to uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook for the most part. And uh, many of you uh, on social media saw that Jeff uh, put some things up uh, this last week. Uh, that uh, that were uh, pretty pretty significant mm-hmm. and uh, so many of you have asked us if if we would give an update on that and so we're gonna take just a, a short episode today and kind of talk through a little bit of what happened to Jeff uh, we're gonna look at it through the lens of officiating <laughs> uh, but also about how the the work that Jeff has done to make himself a better official uh, also helped carry him through uh, some, some pretty significant events that took mm, place. So, mm. uh, so, Jeff, why don't you just begin to tell us uh, what, what happened?
1: Well, FYI, I am on Snapchat, but the only time I get on Snapchat is when my son sends me on Snapchat. So, you know, that's about it. That's the way I communicate with my 22-year-old son. He's like, That is fair enough. Know, he don't text me, you know. So, so, uh, So, approximately nine days ago, Uh, I was coming back home from the summer league tournament. Uh, Had a game at 1230 in the the afternoon. Got done, you know, on the road, we'll say 233 o'clock, somewhere in that area. And that's about a uh, just under a nine hour drive from door to door, uh, assuming no stops or whatever it is. So driving home, doing well, you know, checking in with all my people uh, about 70 miles from home. Around ten forty five at night, so it was pretty dark outside. um it was a Monday night, so there wasn't like a lot of traffic out there. um I'm just cruising along on the interstate setting the cruise at you know whatever it is seventy seventy five I really have no idea, but I'm sure it wasn't more than seventy five um and then literally out of nowhere i mean i I'm trying to to give you a a vivid picture of what happened. When I saw this car in my lane going zero miles an hour with no lights on. So when I saw it, it was when my headlights saw it. So whatever that is, a couple hundred feet, maybe, you know what I mean? At 70 miles an hour, literally saw it. And I can tell you this, you know, and and the the longer it goes, the kind of more things kind of come back to me. But this is what I do remember seeing it with no lights and my I can vividly remember looking at it going what is that right so you're trying to register what is in my lane not moving mm-hmm. or is it moving you know but it has no lights you know those kind of things and it's just so after that brief you know trying to trying to register what happened you know, some people say, Well, I slammed on the brakes. No, no, I slammed on the brakes. That's all I did was press on the brakes as hard as I could. Um, and obviously, I was, you know, in a full skid straight at this car. Um, and I swerved to the left, which would be the passing lane, mm-hmm. to try and avoid contact with the car. Um, I was unable to do that. I was unable to, I, I hit the rear left side of the car, which my car would be, I would say, almost say, center to right, to the passenger side, maybe even a little bit on the driver's side, ultimately. Um, Hit that, and literally, I can, I don't want to say saw it, but I I saw the impact, okay? Mm -hmm. Closed my eyes, kind of a thing, and then kept my eyes open trying to figure out, you know, is this the last thing I'm going to see in my life? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just didn't know what was happening. Hit it, airbags come out. Me in the face, you know. I'm skidding and I'm and I'm twirling around. I'm doing I'm spinning what I believe is spinning now. Now, if, if anybody's been in an accident, which this was my first ever accident, so uh, I'll probably tell you guys, maybe you guys, everything. Oh, yeah, I did this all the time, right? But <laughs> I couldn't see anything because this airbag was in my face momentarily, sure. So when it comes out, I don't know where I'm at, I'm just spinning, and finally, I come to a stop. And my first thought was, okay, I, I don't know if I'm on my wheels or if I'm on my hood. I don't know what I am, right? I don't even know where I'm sitting. So I literally just open up my driver's door and I see blacktop. I'm like, I'm on the road. Quickly, I get out of the car. I unbuckle my seatbelt, get out of the car, jump the um, um, into the, medium, the guardrail. Jump the guardrail. It's like a three-cable guardrail. My car's up against that. The back end of the car's up against that. I jump over that and get in the median. Because at this point, I don't have any idea if more cars are coming.
0: Sure. If you couldn't see the car that you hit, they probably can't see you.
1: They can't see me. They can't see the other car. I didn't know what was happening. So that was my safety spot. Just jumped in the median. Saw. took me about a minute to figure out, okay, everyone is stopping. Mm -hmm. Some uh, Obviously, some people behind us were able to get stopped and they came up and they saw you know our two cars and one or two people came up um one of the uh one of the gentlemen that went str- went check on me or actually he went to the, to the car first that i had hit um and uh he says he you know put his nose in the in the driver's side and he goes he's still alive he's still alive uh you know let's let's call nine one one. so okay so here i am in a median in the middle of interstate 80 and I don't know what to do here. So, right. So I don't have my cell phone on me, right. it's not like I had it in my pocket or nothing. It was just sitting in the passenger seat or wherever it was. So during the crash, my glasses come off. So I don't have any glasses. Now, everybody knows me. You know, I always joke <laughs> that my glasses are so thick. I could see the future. <laughs> so I can't see anything. It's dark. So I'm rummaging through my car, trying to find my phone, find my phone, call nine one one. Um, the nine one one operator wants to know where we're at. Um, I did get a little, a little elevated, um, because you know it's a major accident, right? Sure. And the uh, the person who was checking on the other driver had said, you know, he's still alive. Called nine one one. He was very so. I kind of default, kind of fell into that trap a little bit. So when I was on the phone with nine one one and then I'm talking to them and I, and you know we if you've listened to any podcast over the last month you know I'm talking about neutral thinking a lot and as I started to elevate a little bit I'm like okay the elevation is not helping the situation so I, okay these are the facts the facts are I've been in an accident the facts are the the person I just hit is still alive and needs medical attention I need medical attention. So let's do our best to communicate those. And I was able to do that. Listen, I just I didn't even talk to the 911 operator. I just listened to the people around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I heard them talking and I yelled out one time, does anybody know where we're at? Right? And it's quiet now because now there's no traffic going by. And sure. it's just just people. And all of a sudden I heard someone go, "We're at mile marker 104." So then I was able to tell the nine one one operator, I'm like, okay, we're at we're at mile marker one hundred four approximately. Okay, helps on the way. But I was able to stay neutral in that in that point because it's something that I practice every day. Another thing that I did um, that I didn't realize I did until later on that night is I is I didn't go check on the person that that I ran into. Because he was already being attended to. I'm not a medical professional. I don't know what I can do. And if he is in in dire need, is that the last thing I want to remember about this event? Mm -hmm. So I just stayed away and just sat in my car, uh, waited until police got there, you know, those kind of things. Ultimately, you know, police come. (laughs) You know, this is story's getting drawn out, but I apologize. But I think it's, it's interesting. So when you hit someone from 70 miles an hour, you're, you're pretty shook up. Most mm-hmm. people are going to be shook up. Myself included. So the state trooper comes over, asks for my driver's license and my insurance car. And then of course I'm in a rental car. I don't have my insurance yeah. car just chilling <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Right. So, I have State Farm Insurance. So I go to State Farm website, and I can't remember my password. (laughs) So I just rear-ended someone at 70-plus miles an hour, and now I've got to change my password. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Because he needs to see my insurance card. So I'm literally changing my password, trying to remember what I changed it to, get into text to put the secret code in and do all that stuff. And I was able to do that all because... I believe I was able to stay neutral in the situation. Now ultimately, um I want everyone to know that you know, I didn't just hit this guy because he had hit, he had rear-ended a semi prior to me hitting him and he was basically stranded in the road from his injuries or from his collision that he had just prior. I don't know the time frame. I have no idea, but that's why he was there. So he decided just to stop him on the road, not do anything. Sure. Um, so he was in an accident too, because the state trooper comes up and says, you know, how did you hit him? I said, no. you know, when I was going from, I was coming from the West going East and I hit him from behind. He goes, well, it looks like this vehicle has been hit twice. I, was, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I hit him. He spun around. I spun around, hit him. I don't know what it was, but I, I just know that's where I hit him from. And that's how we found out later that uh, we were able to do that. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to my getting my medical, do you want, you might, should yeah, I keep going? Keep going. Yeah, okay. All right. So the ambulance comes there, right? And, uh, it takes a while because the ambulance got there and I asked the ambulance drivers, paramedics, since, you know, how bad was traffic. And so, well, it was backed up a good two miles when we showed up. So it was backed up. Um, they end up having to bring in a helicopter to, for the other gentleman, um, which I want to say right away that last I heard, he is still. Um, uh, th- I don't know about thriving, but he's still under medical. But he's still with us, and he's still mm-hmm. fighting. So that's good. That's great. Um, I get in the ambulance right, and when when you're hurt and you want to go, you want to get to a comfortable area. I, you know, I've, I see people lose their cool all the time. I literally had to lay in this ambulance for an hour without moving. Because we weren't allowed to move until the helicopter was out of the way. Mm -hmm. So I sat there in the ambulance. You know, they just kind of just talked to me, did their vital signs and gave me some pain medicine because I was banged up pretty good. Um, But, and I I remember thinking to myself, okay, let's, don't get frustrated here because you're not gone to the hospital. Um, I was able to call my wife a couple times and she often jokes. She said, I've got, I got, Three phone calls, three update phone calls from you, Jeff, and they were all 20 seconds long. (laughs) So, because every time I'd call, you know, a helicopter start landing, or I'd call again and then a paramedic would come up and I'd have to hang up, or call again and the state trooper would come up. So, all those things were happening. So, um, but I tried to, you know, try to stay neutral in all those situations instead of going, okay, I just want to be at the hospital. Get me to the hospital or get me out of here. I want to go, which is all true. I wanted to do that. But I didn't verbalize it. I just um, I accepted those facts for what they were. Um, and literally, I probably spent less time in the hospital. I don't want to say less. That's probably not an exaggeration. But they got to me pretty quick. It was a small hospital. You know, did some x-rays, and some CT scans. And I was home by 5 o'clock in the morning. So, yeah.
0: So, you know, it's, it's a traumatic experience. Anybody that's been in an accident before, it is trauma. There's no other word for it. And especially when you compound it with the fact that you have people that are seriously hurt. Mm -hmm. They're being airlifted out. Mm -hmm. All that kind of stuff that goes on. Um, And I want to take just a real quick parenthesis here and say that, um, you know, this is something that we as sports officials have the potential to deal with Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. We are constantly on the road. Mm And uh, I know you had a friend that, you know, kind of kind of joked with you and said, well, you hey, this is why you need to fly more often mm-hmm. than all the driving <laughs> that you do. But the truth is, is that even if you're if you were driving to the airport, the airport's further away not in the same direction but the airport's further away than you were from home at yeah. that point of mm-hmm. your drive so you could have been coming home from the airport and the exact same thing happened easily right you know it, it doesn't matter if we're driving 45 minutes or we're driving four and a half hours we have the potential for this stuff to happen on a on a fairly regular basis um i i know that you you know you dealt with the the injury and everything that night. I know I had the opportunity the next day to talk to, to both you and, and Gina. Um, and she, she was shuttling you around and helping mm. take care of, you know, figuring out where the, the, what was going to happen with the rental car and mm. get your stuff because, you know, all your, all your gear is still in the, yeah. the rental car and <laughs> everything's and all in there yeah. you know? Um, but you were also right in the midst of your conference tournament season. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you'd already worked a couple conference tournaments. Mm-hmm. You were coming back from South Dakota at Summit Tournament. You had another conference tournament that you were supposed to work then the next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was that process like for you? I mean, here you were right in the middle of everything. You know, was it like, oh, hey, I want to check and see how I'm doing for a couple days and maybe I can still do this. What was the thought process that went through your head there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know that I thought about it much mm-hmm. i I don't I remember texting uh my coordinator early that morning around six a m okay eastern time zone and I so apologize for early text but you know give me a call you know whatever it was I want to give you some updates at that point she didn't know what was going on um of course she called me I was asleep and she called me like at whatever seven thirty so I could sleep for an hour and She she had given me the, you know, the choice. Hey, you know, do you want to, you don't want to see how you feel in a couple days? And I truly, I don't want to say on the site, but as I'm sitting in the hospital, as I'm I'm laying in my own bed, I'm thinking to myself, it's not fair to two people for me to work. Myself and the players. Mm. It just wasn't fair. I probably could have done it. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I'm feel pretty confident that with you know a couple Tylenol or ibuprofen and you know good night's sleep I probably could have done it and no one may have been the wiser but on the on the chance that I have a tough game and maybe I'm not all the way mentally there and now I'm not making good decisions you know everyone misses some judgment calls maybe I'm you know maybe I'm am a little concussed, you know, maybe I have just some little bit of memory loss. And now I can't recall a rule all because I want to get it, you know, another game in. Um, I thought for me, it was a very easy trigger to pull to say, I'm done. It it was easy. Um, What the hardest part was post that, that, because that was going to be my last uh, conference tournament on that Friday. So then I really had to tape I had to really process, okay, where am I at? Am I ready to work if the NCAA calls me? Am I ready? If the WNIT calls, am I ready? Can I do these things? And um ultimately I came to this decision. Would I be a division one referee when I walked on? And I just didn't think I was gonna be. Mm. Um I might, sure. I might have been. I might have been. I might be able to pull it off. You know what I mean. But that was the question. I didn't want to ask myself if I can referee because I could referee. Sure. Um, I could go referee. You know, I could probably go referee a high school game. Probably, you know, that weekend if I wanted to or needed to or whatever that is. But I was put holding myself to a standard. Are you a Division One referee? Now, we'll never know. Probably if I'm, you know, when I, when I would have been back to normal because I'm going to take the rest of the summer off and, and things like that. But, you know, not just refereeing, right? I had to, I was probably going to have to drive two or three hours to a game. Yep. I was probably going to have to be coming home at 11 o'clock at night. You know, all those things. I mean, directly after the, when you, like you said, when you were talking to us on the phone, when Gina was taking us to the to the um, the tow company to get my stuff out of the car, I mean, I was a little PTSD, right? You know, I see brake lights, and I'm, I'm in the passenger seat. I'm like, Gina, brake lights, brake lights. You know, whoop, there's a car over there. And she's like, okay, how long is this going to last here, right? <laughs> because I probably did that in a normal case. But so that is all the things I had to process. So I just thought it was better for my recovery, the The student athletes, coaches, everyone involved, even my assigner. Because my assigner is only going by what I tell them, right? Sure. If If I've got, you know... Let's just forget car accidents for a second. If you're not feeling good, whether you're sick, upset stomach, sinus headache, your legs bothering you, whatever it is, and if you don't tell the boss, and the boss, you know, doesn't have that information, then you're putting the boss in a bad, bad spot. So, I just, um, it was a pretty easy trigger for me to pull.
0: So the reason I want to ask that question, first of all. Uh, let me just say, personally, and on behalf of the rest of our listeners, we're so glad you're okay. <laughs> Truth, <laughs> uh, I know you've got some some things that are still a little banged up that are mm. healing uh and and hopefully that goes uh smoothly i'm sure you've not been uh hitting quite as many ground balls mm-hmm. uh during baseball practice and that kind of Leaving thing the, to the hand. assistant coaches
1: right that's right
0: <laughs> but uh but that's not bad then you get you get more opportunity to coach and watch the guys and worrying about hitting the ball when you yeah, throw right. it so that's that's a good thing but um so we're glad you're okay. Super glad to hear that the person that you hit who had, who had been involved in the accident previous had actually been drugged by a semi for quite a period mm-hmm, yeah. Um, before uh, his car came to rest. It, it was just an unfortunate thing. And, you know, you would you had multiple different law enforcement officials tell you, you know, hey, th- you did everything you could do. There, there's a reason they call these accidents mm-hmm, sometimes, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it, this truly was an unfortunate accident. And you talked about some of the things that you you do in your officiating life that then obviously made a significant difference in this crisis moment, mm-hmm. right? And we see these things happen on the field, on the court, where sometimes there are just accidents that blow up. We see these things happen in our work lives, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden there's there's just stuff that happens that's out of our control, or at least mostly out of our control. We see it happen in relationships. We see it happen in our communities. There's, there's stuff where this happens. And, um, the, the way we respond, Mm -hmm. um, is what helps set the course for what happens afterwards. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the person that went to check on the other guy was starting to get elevated. Mm -hmm. If you'd allowed yourself to get elevated um, who knows what eventually would have happened there. Now your, you know, your, your blood pressure's at a different place, mm-hmm. your heart rates at a different place, everything, you know, not knowing what the extent of your injuries were at that point could mm-hmm. have, could have made an impact on things. Mm-hmm. Um, even just your ability to communicate and get help there as quickly as it could get there would have been impacted in that moment. Um, and, and so we see that happen on a regular basis, but one of the things that I find interesting, and I've heard a lot of people say, um, a lot of people have said, "Oh, it's so unfortunate that happened right at tournament time."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, when when people have been been talking to me about you, oh man, man you know, there was a really good chance Jeff was going to work the tournament this year, mm-hmm. and by the tournament, they mean the big one, mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. We we know you were going to work uh, another big conference tournament before uh, everything was said and done. And if you hadn't worked the big tournament, you know you've you've worked the WNIT a, a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so the likelihood that you were going to have significant games there was a big deal. And for so many of us in the officiating world, we we have these goals, we have these dreams, we have these things that we want to go work, and uh, those seem like really really big things. But what I'm hearing you say in the midst of all this is that after the impact pun, totally intended <laughs> yeah, right. of what happened that night, um, whether or not you worked that tournament wasn't as big a deal to you. Mm-mm. So why is that?
1: Well, I think some of that is because whether I work the tournament, whether I'm healthy or not, is not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not the kind of way I, I approach officiating is, is, you know, I, I want to do my day to day work excellent all the time and let the chips fall where they may when it comes postseason because there's a lot of different factors, right? You know, there's even though, excuse me, even if you say, okay, well, Jeff was in line for the tournament. There's, there's a lot of good officials that are in line for the tournament, you know, and there's a lot of good officials that are 10 years younger than Jeff that are in line <laughs> for the tournament. So, um, it, it's just, that's just not, I don't want to say it's not a goal because I that's not true. I, I want to work, you know, it's still my income, right? Sure. But it's, you know, it's, what's the phrase I like to use? So our regular season is to pad our checkbook. Our post season is to pad our ego. Hmm. I, I'm okay. You know, I try to, you know, tr- try to keep my ego in check. And as, well, my wife <laughs> make sure I do that a lot. <laughs> um, but it's just not it's not the end all be all for me. The end all be all for me is when, as, as I've said before, my goal is to get repeat customers Mm -hmm. and I want people, I want universities and I want coaches and I want players and I want coordinators to want me and they want me again and again and again, year after year, month after month that once in a lifetime situation where a potential tournament or another tournament, um, it's just not as glaring to me. Um, for me anyway. So that's why I think it was so easy for me to accept because I don't spend the first four months of the regular basketball season worrying about what's going to happen in March. Sure. I just don't do it. Um, and you know, my wife's, you know, I always joke around. She's my biggest fan. And when I don't get a a postseason assignment that she thinks I should get, she gets little, she don't get mad, but she's like, I don't understand why you're not getting it. I don't know, honey. I don't really pay attention to it. I just, uh, uh, I just keep plugging away. So um, I want to I want to pad my checkbook, sure. not necessarily my ego. And it was that's how easy it was for me to accept. And those were the facts, Chad. The facts were I've been in an accident. And The facts were I was not physically uh, up to par to be working any kind of postseason tournament. So I think the facts are I need to step away and make myself better. You know, and we had a podcast just you know three four months ago with Angie, and she yep. got taken out just before the tournament too. Yep. she was. I'm sure slated for you know some great postseason assignments, and she got out, and then she came back the next year bigger, faster, better than ever. Yeah. So, just because we lose, I'm gonna round up, mm-hmm. round up, and say I lost ten games mm-hmm. with all the postseason. I think that's probably on the high end. Sure. I probably lost more like five, on a guesstimate. Well, so what? five games does does not make the 70 that I worked before that. So,
0: Well, you know, and it's that concept of perspective. You know, there's the perspective of, yes, I worked a lot more games than I didn't get to work. Mm -hmm. There's the perspective of postseason is always bonus. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not what we're banking on, you know, postseason's bonus. But there's also the perspective of uh, there's a very real likelihood had – had you not been able to swerve as far as you did, or had somebody come up behind you that wasn't able to see you and stop or whatever, it wouldn't have been a question of were you able to work that weekend for a tournament? It could have been a question of could you work at all again right. ever?
1: Dude, if I swerve to the right instead of the left, that major impact is on my side.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, when we have moments like this, it does remind us. What's important, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, for any of you out there listening that have had major life impact moments, you know that you just begin to look at things differently afterwards. And it doesn't mean that it, you know, totally transforms your life in this big way where, mm-hmm. you you know, everything's this existential question now <laughs> right, and right, all that right. kind of stuff. But it, it does color the way that you look at things. Mm-hmm. And so, things that at one point may have been a big, big deal now are not as big a deal. And, and we see those kinds of life moments happen in lots of different ways. For some people, it's you know uh, when they have kids, yeah. and now all of a sudden, you know, working seven days a week is not as important as it used to be right. because they'd love to have you know a, a day or two each week to be to be home with somebody. For some people, it's when they. Uh, get married or have a significant other. For some people, it's when they they get a new job away from officiating, and it it changes perspective on things. And I, I think it's really important for us as we're learning to be uncommon mm-hmm. to recognize that that's okay. You know, we don't always have the same drive towards the same thing all the time in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are times when. Um, you know, when job may be thing number one and you push, 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 push. And there's other times when, you know, family needs to be slid into a different spot. And, you know, I'm I'm an empty nester now mm. at home. And so I'm able to do things now that I, I couldn't have done five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, because 'cause I'm at a different place. And it's okay for those drives to be aimed at different things. And, uh, and and I think it's important for us to understand the perspective that it takes for that to happen.
1: Yeah, and if you know if you were to hear anything in this conversation today, do not expect to show composure or perspective when you have a major th- thing like this happening in your life without practicing it. Mm-hmm. I believe, I will sit here today and tell you, I, I believe the reason I was able to keep so much of my composure is because it's something I do every day. And I knew that just wasn't losing my, if I lost my composure all the time, that would be, that's probably what the first first step I would have went to when I hit the person. Sure. Um, so, Now, I'm not saying I just like got in a car accident and got out and said, oh, that was a tough one. You know, I didn't do that. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? We still have some major adrenaline. You know, we still have, but it was amazing how my brain took over for what was needed in the event. Not, I'm just going to fly off the handle here and, and hope all the chips lie in the right spot. So it, we have to practice it. And I have said it before and I'll say it again today, right? And if you want to be a good communicator, you gotta practice communication. You can't just wake up and say, Well, I'm gonna have a tough communication day. But practice it. Nope, but I'm gonna go really be I'm gonna go be really good at it. Yeah. We just can't do it. So and I think that if you practice those that composure, you practice that um, perspective, you practice those things on a daily basis. And when something happens and you're just going off off your instincts, that will take over and it will benefit you.
0: Absolutely. Folks, we hope this has been good for you today. Uh, a little shorter than some of the the episodes that we have. We're going to throw another one up a little bit later this week that I think will be uh, really impactful, especially for folks that are are now into the thick of uh, baseball season and that kind of thing that's coming up. But we th- thought this would be a great way to to share an update with you all as well as to remind us that, uh, the things that we do uh, in our officiating world uh, affect the things that we do outside the officiating world yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've said it lots of times: it makes us better, uh, makes us better employees and employers. It makes us better spouses and parents. Uh, I think it makes us better people uh, when we are able to practice those things both on and off the court and the field. Yep. Everybody have a great week. Be safe out there, mm-hmm. and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.
2: Sick of
1: being upsold at gyms?